2020 is winding down. And for many of you listening, it couldn't come soon enough. Chances are you experienced a lot of ups and a lot of downs this year. With the coronavirus pandemic and the ripple effect it created across the many different parts of our lives, I can understand if you're feeling a little skittish about making big plans for 2021. But on the other hand, maybe you're ready to just be done with 2020 and you're totally excited about bringing more order and structure to your life to make up for the crazy year we just had. Whether you're feeling a little unsure, a little overwhelmed, a little excited, or maybe even a combination of all three, I know you're going to enjoy what's waiting for you inside this episode. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 59 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman-Cornick, and today I'm sharing with you exactly how I approach each new year when it comes to planning with purpose. When this episode goes live on December 14th, we'll be just a few weeks away from the start of a brand new year, full of possibilities. So even if you're still in the middle of the holiday hustle, your wheels might be turning a bit about what comes next after the clock strikes midnight on January 1st. In this episode, I'll share why you should consider making a plan for your year, even when life feels a little uncertain when exactly you should take time to map out your year ahead. Plus, you'll hear the time-tested three-step process I use to plan my year, as well as ideas for how to plan so you don't get overwhelmed and give up on your dreams and goals before the ink is dry on your list of New Year's resolutions. And because I know that you're probably listening in the car, folding laundry, or going for a walk, I completely recognize that you might want to listen now and plan later. That's why I've got two things to help you out with this episode. First, as usual, you can get all the details for this episode, plus the resources I mentioned, over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 59. And second, I've created something extra special to help you plan with purpose, a totally free plan with purpose checklist that walks you through the exact steps that I take each year using the methods I share in this episode, every question I ask myself, my supply list, and you can grab a copy of your free plan with purpose checklist over in the show notes. And those are found at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 59 just as a reminder. And by the way, if you've been listening for a bit and you like what you hear, I encourage you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like the show, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one going out to Lauren S., Lauren S. was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review in iTunes for It's About Time. Lauren S. writes, two words, life changing, no exaggeration. Anna shares her time management wisdom in a way that's practical, tangible, and easy to understand for those of us unfamiliar with the concept. 
I have never been a morning person. And by day two of listening to Anna's podcasts on repeat, I've been mastering early mornings like an old pro. With the aid of her resources and show notes, Anna makes implementing her methods not only achievable, but exciting. I've noticed my anxiety has drastically reduced by taking control of my time and therefore my life. My sincerest gratitude to you, Anna. Lauren S., thank you so much. I am so excited that you've been mastering mornings and that you're excited about time management. I know it's not the sexiest of topics, but man, oh man, it can make such a difference. And it sounds like it's really impacting your life in a positive and big way. I'm so thrilled for you, Lauren, and I'm so grateful to have you as a listener. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. If you've been listening to the show for a bit, you might know that I started my career journey in the marble halls of Congress as a scheduler to a member of the United States House of Representatives. Yep, you heard that right. My job title was scheduler, and I spent my days parked in front of an Outlook calendar, arranging and rearranging as votes were taken, constituents arrived for meetings, and lobbyists asked for favors. But before I was an official staffer, I spent the summer of 2007 getting a taste of the Capitol Hill life as a congressional intern. By day, I sorted piles on piles of mail and gave tours of the Capitol building. Giving tours was my favorite. And even though I've given the tour myself countless times, anytime I'm in D.C., I can't pass up a chance to tour the Capitol building. Ask me about John Adams's famous whisper spot in Statuary Hall or the corncob columns in the original Supreme Court. But by night and weekend, I was visiting museums, checking out restaurants, visiting shops in Georgetown, and going to happy hour. True story, there was actually a coveted happy hour spreadsheet that organized all of the best happy hour specials based on the day of the week. Leave it to the D.C. Hill nerds to combine cocktails and spreadsheets. Before I packed my giant blue suitcase with Navy Banana Republic skirt suits and nude pumps at the start of the summer, I was given some amazing advice by a former intern, and it's some of the best life advice I've ever received. So now I'm sharing it with you. Here it is. There's so much to see and do in D.C., Museums, historic sites, restaurants, bars, tours, day trips down to Mount Vernon, or train trips up to New York. Before you get on the plane, grab one of those tourist books and make a list of everything you want to do while you're there and decide when you're going to do what. 
Use your weekends wisely. If you don't watch out, the entire summer can pass you by. You'll sleep in, go to the grocery, watch TV, and before you know it, the summer's over and it's time to pack up and fly home. You can't fit everything into one weekend. So two words, be intentional. When you're standing at the edge of a new year, it can feel expansive. And when the year behind you is one like 2020, the ground can feel a little shaky. Is the new year full of potential, full of opportunities, or full of uncertainty and pitfalls? I don't blame you if you're torn between wanting to make big, exciting plans and wanting to put your foot on the brake a bit to see what happens. Either way, a new year is on the horizon, and it is possible to be intentional and plan with purpose. When the days and weeks stretch out before you, it feels like you have all the time in the world to do whatever it is that you want to do. And yet, how often do we find ourselves in October or November realizing that we have 90-ish days left in the year and we still have so much left that we want to do? And we wonder, where did the time go? How did another year go by without organizing my family pictures? How am I still in the same job? How have I not reached my fitness goals? Where did the time go? The fact is, the time is there. We just have to be intentional with it. Just like the advice I got for navigating my DC intern summer, we have to decide what we want to do and decide when we're going to do it. So let's dig a little deeper into why it's worth it to be intentional and plan with purpose. Here are three reasons why you should consider making a plan for your year, even if it's a loose one. First, thinking through what you want your year to look like makes your day-to-day a whole lot more manageable. When you set goals at the beginning of the year, you define your finish lines and mile markers for the year. And it's a whole lot easier to prioritize how you'll spend your time each day when you know exactly what you're aiming for. But if you don't have goals, projects, or good habits that you're working toward, everything will feel really open-ended and potentially overwhelming. You don't really know how to spend your time or what to do first, so instead of spending time on something that's going to get you closer to a goal, you just put out whatever the fire of the day is, and then the next fire, and then the next fire, and then the next thing you know, you've got nothing to show for except a bunch of ashes and empty buckets. You're reactive instead of proactive. Second, making a purposeful plan for your year helps you make progress on long-term goals and aspirations. There is no such thing as an overnight success, and the best things in life take time to cultivate. Graduating with a master's, saving for a down payment on a home, starting a business, creating your signature course or service, this stuff takes time. It's not a one and done on your to-do list for the day. Planning with purpose is essential for those bigger, life-changing goals that take a few months or even years to complete. Third, planning your year with purpose keeps you from overloading yourself in January and setting yourself up for failure. So 
what do you have planned for January 17th? Well, for me, that's my father-in-law and my stepdad's birthday. But if you're like most people, that'll be the day you give up on your New Year's resolutions. Yeah, you heard that right. Most New Year's resolutions barely make it past the two-week mark. The problem is we have this tendency to get so excited about the fresh start ahead of us that we decide to do a complete overhaul. I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to stop eating carbs and on and on and on. And then we probably get burnt out when we can't keep up the pace. And we didn't set ourselves up for success by designing good habits or setting smart goals in the first place. So instead of front-loading everything in January, planning with purpose and looking at the big picture of your year can enable you to space things out, be a little strategic, and give certain months of the year a job. You might know how much I love theme days like Marketing Monday and Finance Friday, but have you ever tried a theme month? I like to assign certain themes to some months of the year so I can focus on different areas of my life without getting overwhelmed by trying to do it all at once, but more on that later. Okay, so now that we've covered a few reasons why planning your year makes sense, let's talk about what planning your year could look like. Honestly, planning your year could take a lot of different forms depending on what you have going on in your life whether you're a 1099 or a W-2, whether you have kiddos or are kid-free. Maybe you've been interested in the idea of planning your year for a while, but whenever you open your planner and sit down, you're not sure how to start. All the blank squares suddenly feel intimidating and you don't want to make a wrong choice, especially if you're writing in pen. For the rest of this episode, I'm going to share the three-part process I use to plan my year, a process that I started almost a decade ago and have refined year after year as I've learned more about myself, as I've studied best practices, and as I've learned from the experts, so that when you sit down to plan your year, you'll know exactly what to do. One thing to note here. I don't dive into the nitty gritty of planning my year in business in this episode because that's a whole different ballgame that involves setting revenue goals, planning offers, launches, content, and time off, you know, including the maternity leave that I have planned coming up this spring. If you're a small business owner and you're interested in my annual business planning process, send me an email and let me know. I might do a future episode or host a virtual masterclass on business planning if it's something you're interested in. And then we can always work one-on-one to get you set up with a plan with purpose for the year ahead. All right, let's get to it. Before I plan, I plan to plan. As in, I block out time on my calendar specifically for thinking through the new year, and I gather all the stuff I need to make the plan. The last thing you want to do is to sit down and start planning and realize you can't find your planner or all your highlighters have dried out. So for me, that looks like a stack of loose leaf paper, a stack of white copy paper, Sometimes I like lines, sometimes I don't. I like to have both close by depending on how I'm feeling in the moment. I'll grab my vision board from the past year and oh yes, I love a good vision board. 
my favorite blue flare pens, a few highlighters, my favorite ones are pastel and erasable, post-it page flags, a giant laminated wall calendar, my old paper planner. In 2020, I used Emily Lay's Dapper Desk Planner in sky blue and my new paper planner. In 2021, I'm switching back to Emily Lay's original simplified planner. I chose the blue trellis cover and I'm obsessed. I'll make a big cup of coffee and a big glass of ice water, light a yummy Capri Blue volcano candle, and maybe put on some classical piano music. And you can find this full list of supplies plus links to find them quickly in the Plan With Purpose checklist over in the show notes. And by the way, the show notes are at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 59. Okay, here we go. Part one. Part one is all about looking back and reflecting on the past before stepping into the future. I think back over the past year. Maybe I'll flip through my planner. I'll scroll through the months in my Google Calendar, or I'll turn the pages of my Sentence a Day journal and look for memorable moments that jump out at me. Then I ask myself these four questions, and I answer each question twice, thinking about both my personal and professional life. And yes, all of these questions are included in your Plan with Purpose checklist. First question, what worked this past year? What worked personally and what worked professionally? Then I just start writing. This year, I'm sure I'll include things like waking up at 5.05 to read or get a head start on work. That was pretty awesome. Or working with coach Kristen Brabant that unlocked some amazing things for my business and confidence despite the pandemic. Going on walks with Millie to visit the turtles on the Tammany Trace during the early spring days of the pandemic was a really great way to clear my head on those tough days. It's just thinking about and writing down those standout things you did this past year that really worked. This can help inspire things that you want to continue in the new year. Next question, what didn't work this past year? What didn't work personally and what didn't work professionally? This could be things that you tried that didn't really pan out or habits that fell off your radar. It could even be the way you reacted to certain situations or times that you failed to plan well. For example, I wrapped up all of my six-month one-on-one time management coaching clients at the end of November intentionally in order to take things a little easier in December, spend time with family, focus on planning for the new year, and to get some rest as a six-month pregnant toddler mom and to work on my business foundations. Sounds great, right? But what I didn't consider is the podcast. I scheduled a bunch of podcast interviews in December, making the month more hectic and less restful than I'd anticipated. Lesson learned for next year. Identifying what didn't work can help us be aware of any potential pitfalls in the year ahead and make plans to do things differently from day one. So in 2021, I'll have a no interview policy in December so I can actually focus on rest like I'd planned. 
third question, what were my biggest wins or what am I most proud of? Once again, personally and professionally. I dare you to answer this question and not smile and be super proud of yourself. One of my core values is to be positive and look on the bright side. So I aim to start most, if not all, of my one-on-one coaching calls with time management clients by having them share their wins from the past two weeks. There's usually a silver lining to be found during even the toughest weeks. And searching for a win can reinforce that, yes, you are growing. You are making progress. So two things here. First, let yourself sing your own praises. It's okay to be proud of the hard work you've put in and the results you've gotten. And if you feel awkward about this, remember, it's for your eyes only. Also, no matter how crazy your year was, you have something to be proud of. I can't imagine that in 365 days, even with a pandemic, that you don't have at least one win. And remember, your wins don't have to be these huge, mind-blowing things. Let yourself be proud of your progress. Even baby steps move you forward, remember? Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, In all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Last question. What did I learn this year? What were my biggest lessons, both personally and professionally? There's no doubt we navigated a lot of obstacles this year. 
So what did you learn about yourself along the way? What did you learn from your wins, from your mistakes, and what might you do differently in the coming year? A lot of times I'll grab my vision board for the past year and reflect on the images I chose to represent my goals and think about the different ways that the vision became a reality, what happened, what didn't, and why. One thing I want to note here before I move on, it can be super easy to get excited and want to skip this part and move straight to the planning part. But I encourage you to slow down and let yourself look back and reflect. You'll find that you have a much better picture of where you're coming from in order to decide where you're going next. Okay, so once I've looked back, I move on to part two present. This part of the process is all about who I am right now, and that changes from year to year. So I start with a list of roles and responsibilities. I grab a loose leaf sheet and write down everything I am in this season of my life, all of the roles I play in my life. First, I start with the obvious family roles, wife, mother, daughter, sister, daughter-in-law, sister-in-law, cousin, niece, aunt, granddaughter, etc. Then personal and professional roles. I'll be a little more specific with some of these, but some examples include friend, business owner, coach, volunteer, podcast host, client, leader. Even though these roles don't change that much from year to year, it's important to write these down because it causes you to think about how you're currently fulfilling each of these roles. For example, being a mom to a toddler is a whole different ballgame than being a mom to an infant. And being a business owner in year two or three is a whole lot different from being a business owner in year one. Then, once you've listed each of the roles you play in your life, jot down a few bullets with ideas for how you can excel in those roles in the coming year. So I think, what does being a good aunt to my nieces look like? And what does being a good coach look like? What does being a good mom look like for me? And remember, this isn't about someone else's expectation of how you should show up in these roles. It's about your own personal expectations and desires. Getting these ideas out on paper helps shape what will become my goals and habits for the upcoming year. And after I capture who I am by writing down roles, I capture what I do by writing down responsibilities, aka the different areas of my life. So here are some examples. Spiritual, financial, hobbies, fun travel, health and fitness, friendship work, community service, home, marriage, family. There will definitely be some overlap with your roles and responsibilities, like the role of wife and the responsibility of marriage. But thinking in terms of the different areas of your life helps you develop a more well-rounded overview of how you're spending your time and what has your attention. You might think of something that isn't exactly captured in a role, like spirituality or hobbies. Also, your responsibilities may change from year to year, 
which is another reason why it's important to evaluate what's current in your life. Once you've listed the different areas of your life, just like you did with roles, you can check in with how you feel about each of these areas of life and jot down a few ideas for each. Things you'd like to do, things you'd like to start or work toward. I like to think about good habits I might want to start. And again, don't feel like you have to write 20 things down for each category or aim for any kind of perfection. You're just getting your juices flowing for what's next. And now we head into part three, future. I kicked this section off by doing one of my favorite coaching exercises, the list of 100 dreams. I actually learned about this exercise in the book 168 Hours by Laura Vanderkam. The title of the book, 168 Hours, references the number of hours we have in each week. Laura recommends writing down 100 dreams you want to experience as a starting point for deciding how you want to spend time in your life. Anything from places you want to travel to languages you want to learn, hobbies you want to take up, skills you want to hone, and it's definitely not just limited to the upcoming year. So just go crazy. What are those big, audacious dreams that live inside of you? Some of mine are go back to Costa Rica, see the Eiffel Tower, write a book, speak to an audience of 5,000 people, and take Camilla to Disney World. The members of Take Back Your Life, my summer group coaching program, made their lists during our first week together. And so many of them shared that it caused them to really dream for the first time in a long time. It can feel daunting, but also so freeing and exciting at the same time. So once I've got that list of 100, or almost 100, I'll scan it and group things that are similar, like travel dreams or family activities, for example. I like to call these dream themes. And while I won't get into the details of planning in my business, this is usually the point that I'll brainstorm what I'd like to do in my business in the next 10, 5, and 3 years, and in the upcoming year, I'll look at what I wrote down last year as a starting point. What kind of services or products do I want to launch? And general business ideas. So now it's time for goal setting. I'll look over what I wrote in part one, what worked, what didn't, biggest wins and lessons learned. I'll scan my roles and responsibilities and I'll review the list of 100 dreams and the business brainstorm, and I'll begin to formulate my goals for the year. One potential pitfall at this part, getting super excited and setting way more goals than you can realistically accomplish in a year. That's not good goal setting. It's a good way to set yourself up for failure, burnout, and disappointment. I recommend setting three to five big goals for your year and being strategic by spacing out when you'll focus on each one and when they'll have some overlap. I know it can be super hard to narrow it down, especially when we just came up with so many great ideas, but challenge yourself to make a list of 10 goals and then rank them one through 10 in order of importance. Then focus on those top five first. Why narrow it down like this? 
because you'll get further by focusing your time on progress toward five goals versus making tiny progress on 10 goals. This past year, my three big goals were to first, revamp and publicly launch one-on-one time management coaching as a service. Two, launch a group coaching program in order to serve more people. And three, hire help in my business. I focused on the one-on-one coaching goal in March, April, and May, the group coaching goal in May, June, and July, and finally focused on hiring help and onboarding in the last quarter of the year. I hired an assistant at the end of October and am working toward hiring an additional team member in early 2021. Sure, I worked on other things during those timeframes, but by setting those three goals as my big plans for the year, I was able to keep my focus on those top three and make more substantial progress than had I focused on 10 goals at one time. So once you've got your goals for the year, this is a good point to pull out your planner or to post a big calendar up on the wall. I definitely prefer having a big year-at-a-glance calendar so I can keep my eyes on the big picture. Things to consider. So when are your busiest times of the year? And when are your slower times of the year? And not just for you, but for your significant other, if you have one. What are the key dates on your kid's school calendar that you need to be aware of? Do you already have time blocked off for vacation? Maybe some of your goals are time-bound or have dates attached to them, like a half marathon in November or some road trip travel during a slow season in July. Estimate your time frames for each of your goals and map out when you'll focus on each one. On a separate sheet of paper or maybe in a Google Doc, write out the steps you'll need to take to achieve those goals. And you don't have to have every single step figured out perfectly right this second. Just think through the major milestones. Another great planning tip here that I mentioned earlier is to choose themes for all or some months of the year. Just like you can't make progress on every single goal in January, Spreading out certain goals or to-dos across the months can be a great way to pace yourself. For example, in January 2021, I'm planning to focus on revamping my website, and February is usually finance February for me. I take that time to do a solid review of our expenses, subscriptions, retirement accounts, budgets, mapping out purchases I'd like to make, and other fun financial things like that. March, April, and most of May will be dedicated to getting settled in with the newest addition to the Cornick family, a sweet baby girl due in mid-March. For you, theme months could look like setting aside a specific month or months to research or take action on different parts of your life. A few years ago, I chose August as the month that I'd corral all of my family photos It took the pressure off of doing it at the beginning of the year, and it gave me a project to look forward to. Maybe you want to set aside a month to make renovation plans or choose a month to totally clean out your attic. It's whatever you want it to be, and there's no rule that says you have to do this at all. And I know I've covered the goal setting part a little quickly. Long story short, I'm a big fan of setting SMART goals, goals that are specific, 
measurable, attainable, or adventurous, relevant, and time-bound. I've done an entire episode in the past about SMART goals, episode nine, but be on the lookout for an updated goal-setting episode coming soon. Okay, so you've made a list of goals, you've narrowed them down, prioritized them, and decided when you'll focus on each one so you're not overwhelmed, overloaded, or overscheduled. We're closing in on the finish line. I like to wrap up my annual planning sessions by choosing a word of the year and designing a vision board that represents my goals and what I want the upcoming year to look like. I started the practice of choosing a word of the year back in 2017, and it really sets the tone for the year as a whole. You could say it captures the overarching theme of your goals and what you're working toward, what you hope to create for yourself. In 2017, my word was grow. I put an emphasis on growing new friendships. I grew our family's financial freedom by paying off about 13 grand in credit card debt. And I learned a lot about myself by trying new things. In 2018, I chose edit. I very intentionally added things like taking a coaching certification course and intentionally cut other things like unnecessary guilt and doing too much. Overall, I carefully considered what was currently in my life and needed to go and what was missing and should be added. Kind of like an editor taking a red pen to a rough draft. My 2019 word was foundation. With a brand new baby in January, I wanted to create a strong foundation of family values, family traditions, and good routines. And with a brand new business focus, I wanted to lay a solid foundation of processes, workflows, and long-term goals. Anytime I wanted to get distracted and chase something shiny, I asked myself, will this build my foundation? And then for 2020, I went with the word build. Build is light growth, but it requires a blueprint. It requires planning and intention, and it requires a strong foundation at its base. When I chose this word last December, I envisioned building this podcast with amazing guests, content, and loyal listeners like you, building my business by improving upon how I serve clients and creating new ways to serve more people, and to build my team through intentional outsourcing. I haven't chosen my 2021 word yet. Nothing has felt quite right as I think about the year ahead, but I'll be sure to let you know when I do. So think about what your word of the year might be. And once you have it, write it down and post it somewhere you'll see it. I've kept a sticky note that says build somewhere on my desk throughout the year as a reminder. The last piece of my planning puzzle is something that I used to think was so dumb. I create a vision board. I don't know why, but I always rolled my eyes at the thought of creating a vision board. It seemed like a silly waste of time art project that wasn't for serious people like me. And then I took a course in early 2018 by Shanna Skidmore called The Blueprint Model. And one of the very first assignments in the course was to create a vision board. 
So I told myself, okay, if I'm going to be all in and do this right, I'm going to make a vision board. What I didn't expect was how much I would absolutely love the process and what an amazing impact having a visual of my goals would have upon the year ahead. You can make a vision board by cutting pictures out of magazines and glue sticking them to a poster board, but I like to make mine using a free graphic design program called Canva. After Google image searching or searching Pinterest for images that represent my goals, I upload them to Canva and start placing them in a letter-sized Canva document. Once I've got everything present and accounted for, I print out three copies a small one that I tape to the inside cover of my planner, a full-page one that goes on the wall in my office, and a second full-page vision board taped up in the wall in my closet, where I see it every single morning and night as I'm putting on and taking off my jewelry. Just like having a word of the year kept me focused, having this visual representation of what I wanted my life to look like also kept me focused. Looking at it daily was a way of asking myself, what progress are you making toward that goal? Or have you done anything yet for that one? I'll share my past vision boards in the show notes so you can take a look. But it's amazing to me how much of my vision has become a reality. And I have to believe that it's because I was constantly reminded of what I was working toward. Despite the craziness of 2020, I can 100% credit the progress I've made and the success I've had this year to this exact planning and goal-setting process. Through the ups and downs, this prep work kept me focused and moving forward, even when my progress was a lot slower because I didn't have childcare and everything felt upside down. We don't know what 2021 holds for us. I know we're all hoping that there are better things waiting for us on the other side of 2020. But I can tell you that by starting your year with a plan in place, a plan with purpose, you'll be set up for success in a much more intentional way than if you were to just wing it or take things day by day. Last thing I'll say here, if you're listening to this episode in February or even August and you haven't made a plan for your year yet, it's not too late. It's never too late. There's no perfect time for a fresh start or to set goals. If December is a super busy time of year for you, have no fear or guilt about waiting until January or whenever the time is right for you. So to recap, part one, past. Look back before you look forward. Part two, present. Who are you right now? And what do you do right now? Part three, future. Set goals, pick dates. Word of the year, vision board. And there you have it. I hope you found this episode to be helpful and inspiring and energizing as you're embarking on a brand new year. I would love to hear about your plans for 2021, so join me over in the podcast community and tell me what you're cooking up by visiting abouttimepodcast.com forward slash community. 
As always, all the details about today's episode can be found in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 59, including the free printable plan with purpose checklist that lists out all the supplies I use, the steps I take, and the questions I ask myself each year when I take time to plan with purpose. And if you've liked this episode or know someone who might be interested in planning their year with purpose, share this episode with them. In Apple Podcasts, tap those three dots at the bottom right of your screen and then tap share to text it straight to a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and for sharing. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.